the University of Johannesburg. The future reimagined. Hello, and thank you for downloading this edition of Innovative Research at the University of Johannesburg. These podcasts are presented by the Library at the University of Johannesburg. And my name is Professor Maria Framab. I'm the Executive Director at the Library and the host of this podcast series. Today, I am delighted to welcome Professor Heidi Lawrence from the University of Johannesburg, Dr. Emma McKinney from the University of the Western Cape, and Dr. Annika Zein from Edward Holloway University in London. Dr. Zein is also a visiting researcher at the University of Johannesburg. And these three ladies have been working on an amazing study looking at the impact of COVID on persons with disabilities. The study has been looking at people in the United Kingdom, Uganda, and South Africa. And I'm going to hand over now to Dr. Annika Zain, who is the lead researcher on this um, study, to tell us more about how the study was started and the people involved. Thank you. So in May 2020, so about a year and a half ago, the impact and the stories that came through the media, through the community, on Twitter, were astounding in both the positive and the negative sense of the word. So with a colleague of mine from Canada, Juana Branzai, we we thought there needs to be research on how this pandemic is impacting disabled people. We were very fortunate to get a grant from the British Academy and in the UK have now been collecting data with 20 participants over about a year and three months. So following them and following the ups and downs. Then I thought it would be great to have data from other contexts, especially in the global south. And then again, we're fortunate that um, my home university, or Holloway, got some money that from the government in the UK to fund projects in the global south. So I reached out to colleagues in South Africa and Uganda to conduct a similar study just over a shorter period of time. So in this case, over a two months period to understand the experiences of South African people living with disabilities as well as Ugandans living with disability in this time, in this unprecedented time. Thank you so much, Annika. That was a wonderful summary that gives us a picture of the study that you are doing. I'm going to turn to you now, um, Emma, to ask about the research that you've been doing, particularly from the perspective of South Africa. Great. Um, so each of the researchers, which are all people with disabilities, and um, we went and recruited um, five participants just to follow and ask them, what impact did COVID have on, on your life um, in terms of you know, just as getting medication if you need rehabilitation or um, accessing healthcare services, but also looking at the impact it had on your ability to do your job. And um, yeah, so, so each of us tracked um, you know, five participants uh, over a course of, uh, of two months. And yeah, so those are the, the, the broad themes. But as you know, in South Africa, we've had additional uh, impacts, not just COVID, but for example, KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng, we had the looting and the riots that had a significant impact on people with disabilities in, in those provinces. Um, yeah, just looking at 
people with disabilities trying to um, use public transport to get to, to work, big issues like um, our carers for those people with physical disabilities who relied on carers to come in and out to better provide them with the support they needed during hard lockdown, they weren't able to travel because they weren't classified as essential service providers. Um, and yeah, the fear of not being able to have your carer and for other participants actually having to say, be put to bed. Um, for example, my husband um, was one of the researchers and just looking at, yeah, your carer had to be off the road back in his home by eight o'clock at night. So you had to be tucked into bed at um, seven o'clock for them to be able to travel home safely. So there are many additional factors that many people don't, don't consider. Thank you so much, Emma. I'm going to turn now to you, Heidi, and I wonder if you could give us some key overviews or a snapshot overview of some of the findings of this research? So, yes. So, um, basically, we are in the data analysis phase of our research now. But, so, thus far, what is really striking are three main things for us. And that is the aspect of being forgotten, of feeling dependent or, you know, loss of independence, and then also vulnerability. So, in terms of the feeling forgotten, you know, many participants said that, you know, in terms of comorbidities, I mean, I think we all or most of us know those lists that you had to tick in any case of adversity. We know those lists and there weren't any indication of disability, whereas it does place you at a high risk. Because if you think about it, and as participants pointed out, you know, if you are blind, for example, you you have to touch things. You, you make contact with your world by, by touching things. You, you know, a participant said she went with her husband. They went shopping for furniture. And she said to him, I just don't want to touch any of the furniture, you know. Um, but some people don't have a choice. If they go to work, they have to touch a railing. They, um, you know, have to, to touch a wall to feel where the door will be to their office, for example. And, and that does place them at higher risk. And yet it wasn't ever spoken about, or, or that was the experience of the participants, that it wasn't ever spoken about that, hey, it's not only illness, but also disability that places you at higher risk. So there was nothing when the vaccine came out also around, you know, that we will be considered as one of the, the people with comorbidities that needs to be prioritized. So that was the one thing is the feeling feeling forgotten. Um, and then there was the loss of independence. You know, some people said, you see, it's so great that I don't have to use public transport anymore. I can, I can be at home. But then there was also the loss of something. You know, I can't use public transport because when I use it, I need someone to help me to get onto the bus, for example, or I need someone to show me where the door is. But people might not want to help me because of social distancing um, regulations. So that help that participants were relying on. So, you know, they, they couldn't rely on it anymore. It, it couldn't be taken for granted. So, so a lot of them felt isolated. I think, I mean, I think the entire South Africa could probably relate to feeling isolated, but here it was a case of, 
I can't even go to the shop because I have to rely on an assistant which might not want to help me. And do I want someone to help me and touch me when I'm also vulnerable? Um, yeah, I don't know if someone else wants to talk about the, the vulnerability. I think it was also covered in the previous theme. Super. Thank you so much, Heidi. I'm going to um, move to you, Emma, to talk a little bit more about um, vulnerabilities. And then I'm going to move to you, um, Annika, to talk about differences in the different geographical areas of the study. So over to you, Emma. Thank you. And I'm um, just talking about the vulnerabilities of, as, as Heidi was speaking about, um, additional comorbidities that put us at higher risk, so certain of us at higher risk of contracting COVID. Um, but just when the government came out with their triage policies, for example, of if there was a shortage of beds, which we know there were in ICU access and ventilators, um, our triage policy in the beginning actually completely excluded people's physical disabilities. Um, you would not even be able to get onto the triage policy straight away you would go to end-of-life palliative care um, and we actually had to really fight um, hard to say actually we have human rights and one of the human rights is access to healthcare. and um, so that was really alarming that we just were completely overlooked and forgotten about as well so some of those themes actually over over overlinked um, quite yeah, quite significantly with severe life-threatening consequences. And so eventually the triage policy was changed, but to be completely turned away just because of your disability and whose life should be prioritized over someone else's. And um, and then again, if we look at our vaccines, um, yeah, again, there was no, we had the first um the age categories came out and people with disabilities were excluded. We were, unless you fit that ca that age category, you were not um, eligible for a vaccine. And yet so many of people with disabilities have comorbidities. And it's not just their comorbidities, but for those of us who rely on personal assistance and carers, they would be using public transport to come into our homes so they could have brought it in. And um, so additional risks. So not only were they not prioritized in terms of being able to travel um, in the beginning, but also overlooked for vaccines. And yeah, and just in terms of yeah, whose life matters more, um, there were some significant um, challenges there. And it's, it's, it's tiring. I mean, we all we emotionally drain from COVID, but having to fight additionally for our basic yeah, human rights. Um, and just as, as Heidi was saying, just the feeling of being forgotten um, was, was quite significant. Thank you so much for sharing that, Emma. Um, that's just such a reminder of how we can so easily overlook certain groups of people. Um, Annika, I wonder if you could speak a little bit to the differences in the different countries that your study covered. And perhaps there weren't any differences, but that would be just as interesting. And then is actually, in fact, what we we see. We lots of the themes are very similar across countries. So also in the UK, we have similar issues around increased vulnerability. For many, workplace discrimination or lack of accommodation, or how we call it in the UK, reasonable adjustment. So things that your employer is supposed to put in place to help you work with your disability were harder to get. Um, had to be we fought for um, people not having access to special laptops they needed because they couldn't go into the office, but also people couldn't bring it to them. And without it, they were unable to work. Um, in both countries, for instance, in South Africa and the UK, we have uh, teachers 
and they've experienced similar things, having very different disabilities, but experienced the increase of work and how it has actually had a toll on their physical health as well as on their mental health. So for many, their conditions have worsened because, for instance, someone with cerebral palsy suddenly had to move around more because the children couldn't come up to them because of all the social distancing. Um, a blind teacher in the UK having to, to also navigate with teaching while being further away from the students, which made it so much harder. So I think one of the differences we see between the context is that in the UK, we have a few participants for whom COVID has actually been really positive because they suddenly had access to things that they never had before. And it's something that hasn't come out um, in, in the South African or in the Ugandan context, but because so much remote working happened, for some they could suddenly attend um, writing retreats, writing workshops, and because they always wanted to be a writer, that they could never, because it had mandatory attendance, but for that, because of their disability, they couldn't actually go but now it was virtual, so they could attend. But it's really, really a very, very small fraction. And it's often a couple of things are better, but other things are just heightened. It's really, we see across context that the aspects of vulnerability, discrimination, all the challenges that many disabled people experience have just been worsened to the detriment of people's mental and physical health. And some had to actually quit jobs because they couldn't do their jobs anymore because of the of all the pandemic related measurements measures. Thank you so much, Annika. I'm going to turn back to you, Heidi. Uh, in conclusion, what do you what does the study that you've been doing suggest as a way forward? Um, <laughs> um I think. You know, I think there aren't any clear-cut recommendations that we can make. You know, it is unprecedented times at this moment. But what we can say is that, you know, we need to, and if I say we, then I include the government, um, you know, the healthcare system, health professionals, think a bit more carefully about these things about how it affects people with disabilities and to really not forget about this this group it tends to be it is a minority group um we are physically in the minority and sorry um maria but we say we often and i think it's because we also have disabilities all three of us and you know um so it also hits home um or close to home it's very close to home but uh yeah, so do not forget about this group of people because it does have an influence, um, you know, on us, on our participants, on people with disabilities. Thank you so much, Heidi. I think for me, one of the take-home messages from your research is how um, important it is that we continue to bear in mind um, people with disabilities. Uh, and that we have made a lot of decisions that have just been very blanket uh, and looking at some kind of norm that probably doesn't even exist, but doesn't bring into consideration the lives of people 
with the myriad of different um, disabilities that we have in our country. So thank you all very much for joining us in this podcast. Uh, we wish you all the best with your research and we thank you for enlightening us and sharing your very interesting finding with, uh, findings with us today. We look forward to um, the next of our podcasts and having um, all our listeners join us again for the next in the series. Stay well and remain safe. The University of Johannesburg, the future reimagined.